Welcome to Arguments with Words, the podcast where prop tech and mortgage leaders meet to talk marketing, branding, and the future of real estate. Now here's your host, Neil Helsper. All right, welcome to the show. Today we are here with Tom Schickel from Renter Insight. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. First of all, let's just talk about what Renter Insight is. So tell us kind of what your mission is and and how you came up with this idea. So Renter Insight is a property management software solution for independent owners. So really our target is owners with five to 50 units. So small owners that don't have a software solution that historically have used spreadsheets and you know maybe they've looked at other solutions but but couldn't afford them. So really I saw an opportunity in this market where there are a lot of good enterprise level solutions that are expensive. There are fragmented products uh, in this space, so screening, insurance, payments, other pieces, but there's not a good robust solution that's affordable for small owners. So I, I saw an opportunity and, and wanted to build out a solution. You said that like sometimes yeah. these these owners are using are using spreadsheets. What like mm-hmm. when when you talk to them, is it like are there people like entirely spreadsheets, people that have tried other software solutions? What's kind of the balance of what are they using now and what's that experience like for them? It's really a hodgepodge. So I think it, it goes two ends of the spectrum really. So you've got You've got a lot of people who are, I would call them accidental landlords, maybe, to where they've had a house, moved into another house, kept the previous one as a rental, and and then yeah. uh, saw it as a good opportunity and continued growing that portfolio, and maybe don't have any solutions, right? So it's just a matter of people texting and um, calling, right? And and so then you're trying to remember at the, the end of the month or beginning of the next month, you know, have I received rent from this person or not? Should I send them another text, right? So I think that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end, we do have some clients who have over 100 units who maybe they have a spreadsheet, maybe they use part of QuickBooks, maybe, you know, some of them use their, you know, try to convert their accounting software package to to work for them. It's really a hodgepodge of different things. Form fields built on, you know, on a website, so it's a little bit of a mess. So, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize that that it could be better. Yeah, I think people yeah. would be shocked at how much of that there is out there. I was talking to another podcast guest recently. He said he lived in this. He had lived in this huge building, and the only way to pay rent was to drop a check under the door of somebody in the building. I don't know. It's like the manager in the building. There's yeah. no digital payments. There's nothing. And like it, it, they insisted on everything had to be on a paper check, you know, and then processed manually. It's crazy. Yep. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me. Are you finding because you see on social media or like in the press that like people are becoming accidental landlords because they, you know, they got in the house at like a three percent interest rate or even sub three percent during the pandemic, and now they're like, "Well, I can't get rid of this." Is that the kind of accidental landlord you you mean, or like how are these people finding themselves in that situation? I think it's sort of where you buy your first condo, you move in, and then you want to buy a house, right? And then you get married and your spouse has another house. And so all of a sudden you've got three places and then you see, okay, you know, we've had this for a while. There's a lot of equity here. We're cash flowing it. Maybe we should do this again. Right. I think that's one scenario. The other part I'm seeing a lot, you know, is really changing of the guard. 
a lot of people are inheriting portfolios from their parents or other relatives, and they don't have a lot of experience in this. And so it's difficult to come in when, you know, you've got this system that's sort of pieced together with scotch tape and gum, right? Yeah. And and they're, they're, you know, more along the lines of watching Shark Tank and realizing that there's got to be a better way, starting to explore different opportunities out there to see, you know, how can we streamline this operation? How do how can we scale it? Can we make it more profitable? Seeing a lot yeah. of that, definitely. I can see the generational shift. And I think thankfully for you, there's been more uh there's reality shows about buying property or managing property. Like there's there's just yeah. more probably literacy out there among younger generations that like we should treat this like a business. So that's that's a good place to absolutely be are inheriting properties that maybe have been run in a very analog way in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe accountants at the same time are seeing that it would be good if we didn't get a folder of paperwork, we could actually get a file here and make this a little bit easier and save you some money as well. Right. So you get some recommendations from accountants as well. You talked about with with this audience that you're serving of this like five to 50 unit sweet spot. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people feeling maybe a little bit of skepticism or a little bit of resistance to change. Can you talk about what you've experienced with that so far and, and kind of how you're trying to address that? Yeah, I think, you know, you have a lot of people who have just done things a certain way for a long time and they've done well. They've made money, they've grown their portfolios. And so they don't necessarily think that they need to make a change and, you know, they don't have to, but they start to run into different issues, right? In terms of missing files or, you know, maybe they're not screening residents properly. And so they're they're having either criminals move in or they're getting burned financially. And so they're starting to explore bits and pieces to figure out what else is out there. Maybe we do need to make some change. And so we're just trying to, to make that transition very simple for them. So if, if somebody is going from a spreadsheet and they want to migrate onto our platform, it's simple. We're going to make their life a lot easier. There's a slight learning curve, but we really designed everything so that, you know, if you only log in a few times a month, you're going to be able to figure things out. I think there's a big difference between the small owner space versus the large owner space. So I've spent most of my career with large multifamily owners and operators, right? And so when you're selling into somebody who has 10 or 20,000 units with a new solution, you are potentially making a significant change or disrupting their business because you have to train hundreds of people, right? And change and educate them on this new process. And so sometimes those those trials and then rollouts can take several years versus the nice part about the smaller owner, right? Is you're dealing with the owner. Uh, they may have yeah. a few employees. And so you can transition a new software solution relatively easy. Yeah, it's nice to talk directly to this decision maker and not have like work your way through layers of decision makers. That always makes absolutely. Sense. Yeah, you spoke about your. You mentioned your, you know, your past in the multifamily space. Can you talk about because this is not your first time with the in the kind of company founding experience, startup experience. Talk about yeah. your past and kind of how you got to where you are now with Renter Insight. I um, started with Safe Rent, which was a resident screening provider. Um, we acquired a bunch of different companies. I ran the account management group. We were over $80 million worth of, of revenue uh, for our large national clients. And um, was there for 10 years. It was you know a great run. And 
But ultimately, I wanted to do something on my own. So I started a company called Deposit IQ, which was a security deposit alternative provider. So we had surety bonds as well as deposit insurance and renter's insurance. And so we would sell into large institutional owners and uh, did quite well there. It was a great solution that allowed residents to move in at a reduced rate and provide more protection to the landlords. And so ultimately, I sold that to RealPage and stayed there for several years in helping integrate that product into RealPage and then started to uh, get the itch again to do my own thing again. So that's really, really, you know, I left there and then took the opportunity to to start from scratch again and, and build a new solution, but, you know, in a slightly different vertical. So, yeah. I love that feeling too of that, like starting the new thing. Like that's to me, that's the best part of like, I have the idea and now I'm starting. But I, I always yeah. feel personally, hopefully maybe feel different. Like now it's like, but then it's like, oh man, now I have to do the work. And now like <laughs> the challenges begin, right? Like the, that, yeah. the starting is the fun part. What yeah. What are some of the, you know, in your experience, because you have a, it's a fairly young company. What have some of the challenges been so far that you've had as a you know, startup founder this year in the last year? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, it's a startup, so there's lots of different things. What I've really yeah. tried to do is is learn from what I've learned in the past, right? From having a startup in the past, but also working for uh, different large companies. So from a product perspective, I really listened to the customers. I pivoted quite a bit from listening to our initial beta customers in terms of, you know, I thought certain products were important to them. And, you know, they clarified to me which ones were more important, right? And so it's shifted our product roadmap to make everything work easier for them. Um, we prioritize uh, the launch of, of other pieces to it. And then we've also shifted a little bit in terms of what our target was, right? So in the very beginning, we built this platform that you know works for customers with five units or five thousand units. We're really not targeting five thousand units, but we can manage that. So we really shifted to say, okay, you know, what clients really need this? And so we looked and said, okay, we've got you know most of the companies that we come across that are five hundred to a thousand units and above, they've got a solution. They're a more professional company. They can afford enterprise level software. And then somebody who has one or two units, they they maybe they need to screen somebody, you know, once every couple of years. They don't necessarily need a, a comprehensive solution. And so it was really understanding that in between that five to fifty units, they need a solution. They're looking for solutions, and they can't afford the good solutions that are out there. And so that's really become our target, um, and it's it's shifted how we market. Uh, we prioritize our product development. Um, it's changed a lot of things. And the reception has been very good, right? In terms of of a lot of our partners that we're trying to, to work with to distribute our product are saying, this is a group that's been neglected over time, right? These companies have said they can work with them, but they don't really want to. It's still too expensive. And so we've really been embraced with open arms to have this type of solution for that customer group. It's good that you did the beta test and like got some of that feedback as you were fairly early. Cause I think yeah. traditionally, maybe not so much with software, but with any startup, you can 
you run the risk of getting so far down the road with like, I think people will want this and then we should develop this. We should develop this. And you're so far down the road before like anyone's ever touched it or anyone's ever tried it. So that's cool yeah. that you were able to get some of that feedback so early and pivot in the ways you needed to. Yeah, no, it, it helps a lot. I mean, there's, you know, on a daily basis, you're learning things that, you know, maybe you didn't know a year ago or two years ago, or your assumptions were, were wrong or off and we need to tweak that, right? So we're trying to change it so that we can really provide the best product, the best price to our customers, but then also, you know, pivot and continue to grow and learn from them and provide them with the solutions they need. So when you sold Renter IQ and then, you know, you could have like stepped back and started anything. Was there something that mm-hmm. that brought you kind of brought you back into the real estate space? Was it based on your expertise? Is it something, some attraction that you have to the industry? Like how did that, did you have that because maybe I'm just maybe I'm just putting my own because like I'm like every I've been in marketing my whole life and every few years I'm like yeah. should I get out of this and just do something else you know what I mean like I'm just yeah. always interested in other people's experiences like how did you go from like I, okay I exited this and now I'm going to start something new in a somewhat similar space mm-hmm. well I think from just uh, my upbringing my dad's an architect my grandfather is a apartment developer. I've got uncles and aunts who are the same thing, developers and architects, and I've just been around it for a long time. And so I think the combination of technology layered upon that, that's really my my way of contributing to this market. And then I think to your point too, right? I mean, when you have over 20 years experience, this is what you've done. This is what you know, yeah. right? And so it's it's new, but it's old, right? I mean, I'm yeah. able to take a lot of the things that I've learned, bring it together, but you know, I'm adding new pieces that I've never been exposed to in the past, right? Or maybe a little yeah. bit, but now you're really digging into it to figure out how are we going to best design this? How are we going to do this in a slightly different way? How is it going to fit into the ecosystem? So it's it's not that it's the same thing every day. It's completely yeah. different. So that's true. Even if you're le- leveraging yeah. some of your past experience or expertise, new challenges come up all the time and make it- yeah. I mean, it helps me get to market faster, um, definitely, right? And I think. I've got a lot of relationships with companies that we use from, you know, from insurance to payments to to screening, right? And got a lot of experience in those areas too. So how can we deliver that product better? But yeah, now it's starting to to really become the product expert on a full solution um, as opposed to just the a la carte services that you integrate into another platform, right? Yeah. I'm really intrigued that you've created like a product that's for some of the smaller players in the space because I think it's it's really like it runs counter to the trend that we've seen in a lot of things the last 10 years, which is everybody goes after the most the most lucrative customer possible, right? And sometimes yeah. leave leave behind these lesser seen audiences. Like this is a completely different topic, but I was reading an article the other day how like how Las Vegas used to be like a middle class destination. And now it's increasingly like a destination for the rich. Same as Disney yeah. World and all these other leisure activities, even like bowling, like bowling's been disrupted <laughs> now as a very expensive <laughs> activity it used to be like the working class sport. Right. And so it's cool. I really admire that that you're you know you're going after a, a lesser served audience and uh, making this kind of management attainable and not only going after those owners with 50,000 units. That's important. Let's make some predictions here as we start to draw to a close. What do you think property management looks like in 10 years? What role do you think Renter Insight plays in that? Yeah, I mean, I think think it's going to vary a little bit depending on large property management owners versus small. I think large property management, there's been a shift. It started 
before COVID, but then it's really accelerated in terms of centralizing right their core operations and sales and having a, a leaner staff on site, really leveraging technology, smart home automation. And and I, you know, they're able to do that in a with scale and it they can really see the impact on their bottom line. Um, it's a little bit different for the small owners, right? I think they're going to start to see the impacts too, right? Of interest rates increasing, the rent growth slowing, and you know, depending on the number of units, right? But they're going to start to look at how are we going to be able to continue to grow financially? And I think part of that is using technology. It's making smarter decisions when people move in. It's becoming more organized. It's ensuring that you know you have a system that will automatically charge a late fee when somebody's late, right? So making people yeah. pay on time more frequently, getting those charges. So they're able to incrementally make more money and save time. And so I think you're going to see much larger adoption of these types of platforms going from, I would guess there's probably about 10% adoption of software in this space, you know, which is really over 10 million units we're talking about that don't have a solution. I would guess in the next 10 years, you're probably going to have 50% of them adopting a solution, especially of the changing of the guard, right? Going into younger, yeah. younger people wanting solutions, looking at we can take this over, we can grow this, we can put our mark on it. So I think you're going to see increased adoption. Obviously, you're going to see AI into the picture, increased automation. You know, I think a lot more workflow automations as well. So a lot of these manual tasks that people are used to that we're going to build into our solutions just so you're not having to respond to the applicants or residents so frequently, right? Yeah. When it's you know repetitive tasks over and over again, we're going to take that off your plate too, right? For for pennies. So yeah, I mean the scope yeah. the scope of the opportunity in this space is way bigger than I imagined. Like 10% adoption of technology. That's so low. Like I would have yeah. I would have guessed 60%. Like yeah, no, I mean there might be some number. people who are using one piece here, one piece here, right? But what I'm yeah. talking about is people who have adopted these small owners who have adopted a platform to use, right? Yeah. It's it's very few have done that. So there's just it's a huge opportunity for this really fragmented space. Yeah. And I would imagine like almost every one of those tasks that is not that they don't have some digital solution for probably represents a large amount of inefficiency. Because if they're going from yeah. a system that's very manual, very paper-based, very human processes for everything, there's almost certainly some low-hanging fruit there of cost savings and efficiency that they can improve on. Yeah. And as they, you know, you go from 10 units to 11 units, right? I mean, you've percentage wise, you've grown a lot. Right? Yeah, you go from 10 true. to 20, you've doubled your business and you've doubled that burden on you. Right. And so you're quickly starting to realize like, I'm not going to be able to go from 10 to 100 unless I really put some systems in place. Right. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, well, love the yeah. mission, love what you're working on, helping this or working with this kind of like lesser known audience. Um, the tool sounds amazing. Yeah. And uh, people can find out more about it at renterinsight.com. Right, is there anything else new going on with Renter Insight? New features, something upcoming? Yeah, I mean, we we just launched our dashboard, which gives you, you know, a quick visual of everything that's happening in your business. You can drill into it. We've got a lot of new products coming out over the next quarter, which is really exciting. You know, we'll 
constantly post those updates on our website. We've got a few big shows that are coming up, National Association of Realtors in Anaheim on on uh, November 14th. So love to see you there if you're there. Um, and uh, <laughs> like that yeah, good. anybody, you know, wants to go to renterinsight.com and we're happy to set you up or give you a demo. And uh, yeah, we're here to help. Thanks for sharing the story with us, Tom. This has been awesome. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Arguments with Words, the mortgage and prop tech branding podcast. To learn more about Neil, connect with him on LinkedIn or visit neilhelsberg.com.